0: and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. We're heading into the conference championship games this weekend, and that leaves just four teams to choose from this week, uh, but there's still some great stacking opportunities in DFS where matchup plays are going to be critical, so I'll try to help you out this week with that. Before we get started... Let me tell you about some of the exclusive offers from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics. We have proprietary metrics you know and love, like DVOA and DYR, that are used by teams, and they're great tools for fantasy players as well. Get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. The show is also brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers a fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread and over under projections. Find your Edge today with promo code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site wide. Code FAN- FANTASY50 to save 50% off site wide on all of Edge Sports packages, EDJ Sports. The first of the two games is the Buccaneers at the Packers. This is the one is a little bit more interesting from a weather perspective. What I'm seeing now is the forecast has dropped a little bit to a 27-degree kickoff temperature with moderate winds and a small chance of snow flurries. Uh, Because this game's in the afternoon, it's not going to get too much colder, but obviously that's plenty cold enough. Cold weather generally cuts completion percentage by 3%, yards per pass attempt by 4%, and touchdowns per pass attempt by 13% for quarterbacks. So that's pretty much bad news for both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Although That said... Uh, Since 2009, Tom Brady has shown remarkably similar splits in his games with temperatures below 32 degrees from between 32 and 49 degrees and greater than 50 degrees and played a good number of games in all settings, 24 um, in particular in the under 32 degree bucket. So, I, I mean, I'm not too concerned about the weather from his perspective. A lot of those games happened before he was, you know, 40 years old, but even in his most recent games, he's played four since turning 40, three of those in the playoffs, and in those three playoff games, he's thrown at least 330 passing yards, and he's actually won all of the games. So, you know, none of that's been in the last year and a half or so, but I'm still not too worried about Brady's abilities here. And as such, I think he ends up becoming a small surplus value for me, or $500 surplus in DraftKings at $6,100, $100 surplus in FanDuel at 7800 Every defense this weekend is a top-16 DVOA pass defense, upper half of the league. But I do think the Buccaneers' offense is a bad matchup for the Packers for a few reasons. One, the Packers can't really bring uh, interior pressure. Their best pass rusher, Zadarius Smith, is a linebacker who does rim around the field a little bit. Maybe he'll try a few inside stunts. But generally speaking, he's a slower-developing pass pressure player. Um, They don't really have a lot of secondary options. Preston Smith saw his – Pressure rate declined pretty markedly from 4% last year to under 2% this season. So I just don't really think there's, there's going to be a lot there to disrupt Brady in the middle where he has his most difficult time kind of dealing with it. And then while they have Jair Alexander, maybe the best cover corner in football, he was top two in yards per target allowed, and success rate this season. Uh, the Bucks just have so many secondary type of options that I think Brady can throw to Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, etc., even if Mike Evans isn't his normal, excellent self. And then finally, the Bucks have been relying more and more on 12 personnel of late, and a lot of that has to do with Gronk staying in to block. Uh, he's, he's an excellent blocker, obviously, and that's been kind of a big boost for the team since Alex Kappa fractured his ankle and is going to miss the rest of the playoffs. The two, I mean, both he and Cameron Brady are capable receivers. I think that creates a lot of mismatches for what the uh, the Packers try to do with their their undersized dime-type defenses. So I think there's a lot of reasons to trust that Brady's going to have success against the Packers this week, like he did in week six when they blew out the team 38-10. to 10. So I, I have a lot of optimism there and think he's a good value. As for specific receivers, I kind of hinted at this, but I think Godwin is the one that you would rather play than, than Mike Evans. Back in that week six game, Godwin had seven targets, just two of which had Alexander in coverage. Evans was frequently uh, covered by Alexander and saw just two targets overall. Um, So I think it kind of creates a, a clear split there. The Packers, generally speaking, they're top 10 in DVOA against number one receivers and bottom 10 in DVOA against number two receivers. They're not always in man coverage, but that is, I think, the Alexander effect there. What's a little bit interesting is the pricing structures here, where Godwin is four hundred dollars less expensive in DraftKings, uh, but two hundred more expensive in FanDuel. And in my mind, that's a little particularly surprising, given that DraftKings uses full PPR scoring. So when you're just looking at that, their values relative to price. I think that Godwin is particularly valuable in DraftKings this week, where I have him as a six hundred dollars surplus. Antonio Brown ends up coming in as a short, a small shortfall in both platforms for me, but that's mostly because I've manually docked his target share more than his recent history with the buccaneers would suggest and for me that's more about the knee injury that he suffered last week he hasn't been practicing this week and it's going to be a game time decision he wasn't with the bucks in week six so we don't really know how that would play out i feel like he would probably be a big boon to the passing offense given that the packers you know defensive coverage success rates fall off pretty dramatically after alexander there i just don't think that that uh Brown is going to be fully healthy and ready to go. Even if he plays in this game, I'm going to be reluctant to use him because I think he's an injury risk and may not play the full game. At running back, I think you have a few better options here, Leonard Fournette being the standout. So Ronald Jones missed the wild card game with a hip injury, and while he came back last week, Fournette maintained the lead in touches. He out-touched Jones 22-13 to overall, and Fournette had six targets versus zero for Jones. And so while Jones, I think, could be involved as the secondary back, um, as sort of a compromised player, he still was pretty effective last week. I just think, in particular in DraftKings, you really want to rely on Fournette, getting those targets, again, with the full PPR scoring. Fournette ends up coming in as a $300 surplus at just $5,300 in DraftKings. I think he's a great lineup staple and a good part of a Bucks, uh stack that you could use Brady and maybe he throws a touchdown to Fournette, something along those lines. And then finishing it up with the tight ends here – Cameron Brayton Gronkowski, I think both of them are viable options in, in DFS. Braid has outpaced Gronk 15 to 12 targets since week 16. Again, that's with Gronk staying in the block more and more. Brate has actually run more pass routes than Gronk each of those last four games. And so Braid ends up becoming a pretty decent value. But Gronk, obviously, one of the premier touchdown scorers in the league. Uh, he's had a few touchdowns fall off his hands in recent weeks. Uh, but Two touchdowns overall versus zero for Brate since week 16. 1.73 opportunity-adjusted touchdowns versus 0.97 for Brate. So Gronk is a lot more likely of the two to score, and if he scores, that's going to uh, sort of disrupt the idea that Brate is the better player based on his his route running. Uh, But I think both players are good options. You you could roll with either. Um, Obviously, just choose one of the two, though, um, even if you could put one in the flex. Moving on to the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, uh, not a player that I'm a huge fan of this week. Negative 250 surplus in DraftKings, negative 1,050 in FanDuel, where he's very expensive at 8,700. A couple factors here. One, he hasn't averaged any more points at home than on the road in recent seasons, so I don't really think there's a home field advantage. Probably a lot to do with the conditions that he typically faces in Green Bay, but hey, he's going to have tough conditions this weekend, so that's, that's tough. And then obviously the Bucks, while their run defense I think draws a lot of the headlines, they're a tough defense all around. Uh, they're the number eight increaser of passing interceptions, number four increaser of passing fumble rate. Uh, Rogers obviously had some interceptions in the week six game that I don't think necessarily are going to continue, but I do think the Bucks could continue to disrupt Rogers. Uh, they were effective with both their blitzes and with their four-man pass rushes in terms of bringing pressure, and the Bucks get Vita Vea back this week, and the, the Packers have since lost David Bakhtiari, their left tackle and probably their best offensive lineman in pass protection. So I think that could create some issues. Rodgers has four and five sacks in two games this season against the two teams that brought the most pressure with four-man uh, four uh, rushes. One of those was against, uh, was against the Bucks. The other was against the Panthers in Week 15. And he didn't, take two, he didn't take more than two sacks in any other week this season. So this is kind of a rare type of defense with the right players to disrupt what Rodgers likes to do offensively. I think that could be a problem for him, and I think it could be a problem for all of his receivers if he's a little bit less effective passing than he normally would be. Devontae Adams ends up coming in as the biggest shortfall in value, but obviously he could erase that with touchdowns. Uh, He's just a very expensive player, 8,000 in DraftKings, 8,900 in in FanDuel, and this really isn't the ideal spot for him. I mentioned, too, that cornerback Carlton Davis – He's back and healthy, struggled with some injuries in December, but played 100% and 98% of the defensive snaps the last two weeks. He held Michael Thomas catchless last week, and while I think it's probably come out since then that Thomas was dealing with a lot of injuries that we didn't fully understand this season, Davis did have success against Adams during the regular season matchup, Uh, and I think he could be enough to make, uh, make Adams a little bit of a shortfall in value. You could roll with Alan Lazard. I think he's a little bit better priced in DraftKings at 400 surplus at 4200 but I would really rather avoid the passing game here in general. And then I don't really want to uh, run with the running game, in particular Aaron Jones, who I see as a $500 and $1,200 shortfall in value in the two platforms. The Bucks are the number one DVOA run defense. They're a top-five cutter of run play, so that's bad news for all of the backs here. But Jones went just 10 carries for 15 yards in Week 6. And I would say that his horizontal type of runs, the ones that get him in space where he's normally so effective, I just don't think they're going to work very well against the Bucs with linebackers Devin White and Levante David. They're the fastest pair of interior linebackers in the game, and they really kind of cut him off and prevented him from turning the corner on a lot of those runs back in the regular season. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers rely a little bit more heavily on their, their big rookie running back, A.J. Dillon. Uh, he's been getting a little bit more work of late. He had six carries last week, more than he had in any of the first 15 weeks of the season. So I think that LaFleur is going to trust him even in this critical playoff situation. He's also six foot and 247 pounds, so a Derrick Henry type of size player. Um, He's 10 pounds bigger than both of those two linebackers, and he averaged 3.2 yards after contact per attempt, the second highest among running backs with 40 or more carries. So I think he teased the potential to be that type of north-south runner, that power back, yeah, you know, I think that's much better fit against this defense that's uh I think they were number one in yards before contact allowed, like the the lowest under two yards before contact. So I think the the best chance you have against the Bucks is to to push the pile after initial contact. And I think Dylan would have a much better chance of that, given that he's so much bigger than the linebackers that would most likely be trying to stop him. And finally, for the Packers, Robert Tanyan, I think, is a mild surplus in both of the platforms. The Bucks are the number 25 DVOA defense against tight ends, so that's probably a particular weakness for the team, and especially if the weather is a concern that prevents some of the deeper shots to your Marquez Valdez scantlings of the world. Um, that could be a spot where maybe the Packers have a little bit more success. If I were going to rely on one player in, the, in the, the team's passing game, I would probably rely on Tanyan. Next up, we have the Bills at Chiefs. We have a 35-degree kickoff temperature with moderate wind, but this game is at night, so the game will get a little bit colder as the game goes along. I'm not as concerned about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in that respect, given their youth and their arm strength. But just as a factor, I mean, the cold weather, again, does tend to hurt teams' passing games. Uh, But with Allen, I think there's there's a reason to be optimistic. I see him as a big surplus, more than a $1,000 surplus in both platforms. A lot of that is actually running-related. The Chiefs are the number 31 DVOA run defense, and while that's good news for Devin Singletary, I think it might be good news for Allen as well. Allen has taken 18 carries the last two weeks since Zach Moss got injured, so I think he himself may be a big part of the running game. And while that didn't really work too well against the Ravens last week, I think there's just a big difference in the quality of those two run defenses, and Allen could have success in that respect this week. But also passing is a little bit part of it. I think a lot of his receivers ended up being nice values this week, in particular because Gabriel Davis injured his ankle. He isn't practicing, and I think he's probably not going to play this Sunday. And so that boosts the likely target volume of all the other main receivers. That shows up as a good news for Stephon Diggs, who's just $7,000 in DraftKings and ends up being a really nice surplus there. Cole Beasley, another $1,000 surplus at just 4100 in DraftKings. Love that. He's no longer on the injury report. And before he got injured, he had seen 10 or more targets in four or five games. So I think Beasley could end up having a huge volume of targets and in DraftKings where you get that full PPR, could be a huge value. And then as more of a sort of direct Gabriel Davis replacement, John Brown ends up being a pretty decent surplus, $300 in DraftKing at just 4300 closer to neutral at 5600 in FanDuel. But I think there's a lot of stacking opportunities there in the Buffalo passing game. And then meanwhile, Devin Singletary, again, just 10 touches last week against the Ravens, but they're such a good run defense. I think this is just a much better matchup for them. And as Aaron Schatz pointed out in the AFC Conference Championship preview article, which you can check out on FootballOutsiders.com, the Bills, while not a great running team in general, had dramatically more success against the bottom 10 DVOA run defenses, averaging 4.4 yards per carry there versus 3.8 against the other defenses in the league. So I think Singletary may have a little bit better luck this week. And again, other than Allen, is probably the only guy going to be getting a lot of touches for the team in that respect. So I think you have some options there. And then Dawson Knox, obviously a lower tier tight end than most of your other options this week, including the Bucks two tight ends. But the Chiefs do have the number 31 DVOA defense first tight ends. They boost tight end catch percentage, yards per target and touchdowns per target by between 5% and 17% each. He's so inexpensive at 2800 and 4700 on the two platforms that if you're trying to load up on some of the premier type of guys, maybe your Devontae Adams is of the world and you need to save some cash, I think Dawson Knox is a little bit of an option. And maybe an option too if you just want to run a really heavy uh, bill stack, which I'm not going to talk you out of because I think they have the best values there. For the Chiefs, uh, I mean, obviously very stackable with some of the star players they have on their team, but I don't necessarily love the values of the players this week. Mahomes comes in as a five hundred and six fifty and 650 shortfall on the two platforms. Uh, the big thing with him this weekend is obviously the concussion, that if you know if that becomes an issue, he won't be able to play at all. Um, but I'm also a little bit concerned, even if he does play, about the toe injury that he suffered, that it could maybe limit his mobility Mahomes, obviously one of the best passers ever, um, but he does some, some nice fantasy work on the ground too. He's had 25 or more rushing yards in seven different games this season. So again, that's, you know, more than two fantasy points there. Plus he's running a few touchdowns. So that could be erased if he's unable to really move this week. And that could be enough to, in my mind, make him a shortfall in value in the platforms. Uh, Tyreek Hill. I like him more in DraftKings at 7,200, again, with the full PPR, but he is going to probably draw all-pro cornerback Jerdavious White in shadow coverage. In Week 6, White limited him to three catches and 20 yards, and even though he wasn't quite as good this season from you know a coverage success rate perspective, he's still one of the premier cover corners in the game and I think could be a problem for Hill. In the running game, we've got more injury question marks here with Clyde Edwards-Solaire. He's back practicing, but he's missed the last – you know, I think four weeks with a high ankle sprain, questionable for this game. If he plays, I mean, he's a small surplus, so I think he's an option for you to use. The Bills are the number 17 DVA run defense, so pretty close to the middle of the pack. But they have been improving of late. They're up to 14th there. And given that Edward Soler has the questionable injuries and the Chiefs have other options, I would probably rather just steer clear of everybody if he plays. What I'd much rather see is if he ends up being out, then I think Daryl Williams becomes a little bit of a value. Williams is priced like a starter at 4800 in DraftKings and 6000 in Fanduel, so you can only use him if Edward Solaire misses this game. But if that happens, Williams was really a lion share type of car, um, volume last week, 13 carries and four targets. Le'Veon Bell got just two and two, respectively. So I think Williams becomes an option there as the clear lead back if Edward Solaire can't go. And then closing it up with Travis Kelsey, always a pretty decent option. But I think this week ends up becoming a little bit of a better option because if Tyreek Hill won't get open as much against Tredavious White, Kelsey's just a mismatch for any defense. The Bills were middle of the pack and tight end defense, but clearly they can't match up with, with Kelsey and no one else can anyway. So I think a pretty good option for you there. Um, not that I would necessarily recommend a stack, but the, the Mahomes and Kelsey touchdown seems pretty likely if Mahomes is able to play this week. Okay, that's going to do it for this week and this postseason's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and hopefully you've been listening and enjoying it all season. Um, I'll, I'll probably put some stuff on Twitter about the plans for the offseason, but I am going to try to have some offseason shows. So keep that in mind. Check out the feed for every now and then throughout the offseason, and hopefully I'll get you with some great content. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you this off season.